to the Old Man Orange Podcast. I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And today we have a very special guest on the show. Hey guys, my name is Newton Lovewatt. I'm the creator of Crescent City Monsters. Uh, currently it's a webcomic, uh, but we're running a Kickstarter to actually um, print chapter one right now. And Crescent City Monsters, like I know I've mentioned this on the podcast for about, I don't know, I guess about the last year or so. I remember I discovered it when you were on like page 12 or 11 or something like that. We ran into each other on Twitter and then it's just like, hey, you want to check out my comic? I'll check out your comic. And we just kind of connected from that point on. And then even if I have my video on, I actually have one, that poster that I won from you is on the, my back wall. So whenever anybody's on the podcast, they always see it. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I totally forgot about that poster. I think that was page um, seven or something. Or was it the first page? No, it's like page it's... eight or something, because it's the part where... Um... Once the gosh, what the little kind of troll creatures come by, and then he's the grunch, some, yeah, the grunch, and then he oh, summons okay. all the snakes behind the motorcycle, and it's kind of like popping over, it's like cobras and stuff. It's that one, okay, yeah, yeah, that was a pretty cool one. Oh, it's really awesome. And I mean, like, I've always just said, like, I've told people this whole time, it's like, man, if there's a comic you gotta check out, you gotta check out Crescent City Monsters. The artwork, if anything, will blow you away. It's just that awesome. And I've loved it this whole time. Yeah. I can't wait. I, I pre-ordered on your Kickstarter the single-issue, like, physical copy of it, and I bet you that's gonna be amazing once in print. Great, yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, the artist is uh, Gene Carlo Burnell. He is amazing. He, um... He's got to be one of the, the best artists around, not just in uh, indie indie comics, but just in general. His uh, his uh, grayscale work is is amazing. Well, I love a lot of his character design. Just the the way how the band looks, the way how um, Jonas looks. Just like in like, I think he does a good job of bouncing out, like making it look cool and stylish, as well as making it look really creepy and scary with some of the monsters and like a lot of the horror images that you use like when all the snakes are coming out of the cop's mouth and ears and all that yeah yeah it's um, i'm glad you mentioned that because um the first few pages i was like wow gene is really great <clears throat> he's an amazing artist but that scene with the snakes i was kind of a little worried because i was like man can he pull this off can he make it seem like um can, can he make it seem realistic scary and um, not too overdone at the same time, you know. Um, but he actually, he, he did such a great job at pulling that scene out. I mean, um, if you think about it, you know, when you look at that, there's, there's an incredible amount of snakes coming out of this guy's mouth, but it doesn't look like it's, um, out, you know, like something that's just um, overdone, you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean, because, like, it doesn't have, like, though there's, there's copious amounts of detail in the work, but you never get that kind of, like, lost in the lines. Because sometimes, you know, you get some, some kind of art, and it, like, even if it looks really good, but there's almost, like, so much lines and so much detail now that you almost kind of lose sight of what's kind of going on. The balance here is really awesome. Yeah. Now, where... Did you really... I was just going to say, where did you find him at? I know, I think you mentioned this before on the Comic Central podcast, but... Yeah, um, I found him at a Deviant Art, I believe. Oh, wait, no, take that back. I always, I always say that. So, I think I first saw him um, as an artist on um, one of the Kickstarters. I um, I had a bat. I think it was the Last Days of Kevin. It was either um, Ronan or the Last Days of Kevin. Um, he had drawn both of them, but I can't remember which one it was. 
And so then when I saw him again on DeviantArt, I was like, oh, okay, this is the dude that um, did uh, The Last Days of Kevin. And um, I, I reached out to him. I asked him to do a couple of uh, commissions. And uh, one of them was a monster. So, because, um, you know, since the theme is monsters, I wanted to make sure that the artist really had um, an eye for drawing monsters and really liked drawing monsters. And when he came back with this, um, this version of... Uh, uh, the grunge, the original grunge, the, the grunge that we have now is a lot different than um, the original version. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so uh, he he came back and he just knocked it out the park. I mean, after you know, I, I should I should make it a uh, um, one of the stretch goals because the the original grunge, the, the monster itself is 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 really amazing. But once I saw that, I was like, I this is the dude right here. This is this is the guy I need to be working with. Oh yeah, most definitely. It's just it it's like that kind of artwork like I would I would not even say it's indie. It it is like as professional as you can get. Like indie would almost be like not not that there's anything against indie, but like that almost feels like if you told somebody that they'd be like, "Oh, okay, so it's going to have a little bit of a homemade look." It's like, "No, no, 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 no." It's it it tops a lot of those image and dark horse books and even Marvel and DC stuff like it's got just a great look, and it just draws you in instantaneously. There's no way that from page one that you're not ready to go for this story. And then to top it all off, the, you know, the story itself is amazing. The characters are cool. The monster design's fantastic. It's just an all-around awesome book. Yeah, I thanks. Really... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying thanks. Oh, yeah. What I really like about the book is when you first open up on the house, you see some signs you're like, I can't read that. Oh, whatever. It must be just scratched off or used up or whatever. And then as it goes on, like, oh, that is, that's their spell. That's like whatever they pops up whenever they say a spell. And I like how it slowly progresses into becoming more and more fantasy based and horror based. At first, like, okay, I'm just going to go out and, and play with my band tonight. You don't worry about it. And like, all right, no magic. All right, no magic. And then the owls start talking to them. And I kind of like that you don't have the whole thing about like, Oh, it's a talking owl. It's like one of those things like, oh, this guy knows the drill. He's been doing this. We're moving on. Oh, cool. And then when the cop pulls him over and, you know, you did like fantastic job of just like wanting something horrible to happen to this cop right there. And then that shot is just such a great payoff when you see the amount of detail. Like, I think that's probably my favorite shot in the whole book. Uh, just his mouth just jarred open with all the snakes falling everywhere. And then flies off. He's like, oh, that damn kid. <laughs> Got me again. <laughs> Darn, meddling kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you appreciate that because um, that's, that's exactly what I was trying to go for. Because as I was doing the scenes, I wanted to – so I, I wanted to establish first, like, his, uh, his uh, family life and his home life. And so I, I put a lot of thought into um, the house, how the house is going to look. Um, uh, even that post with the, the symbols, you know, I was hoping that people caught that and, you know, kind of like scratch, scratched their head and was like, what? You know, this does, doesn't look like regular writing. What is that? You know, and, um, and kind of just like um, notice that and, and pay attention. And then I wanted to kind of build on on uh, what's a normal world to Jonas, but kind of like show how different it is. So um, like that sign was one of them. Uh, the fact that he, he was talking to the owl and the raven is another. And just that conversation that they had also kind of, um, I wanted to kind of establish like, okay, 
this guy, he's, he's, he's going out and leaving his family, but there's a lot more to, he's no ordinary guy. There's a lot more to him in this situation than, than, than um, what's going on. What I, what I like about it a lot is it leaves enough to question, but I think sometimes when people try to establish a world, they spend too much time breaking down every little thing. And I like that it just gets enough across like, oh, okay, so he knows magic. Okay, he's there's something more to him. We don't know what that is yet, but I'm sure we'll find out. And because I think sometimes people just focus way too much. I'm like, wait, how does that owl talk? Oh, you're special lineage. What do you mean? You know, and I just like how this <laughs> just blows past that and just like try to keep up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always think of sometimes like some of the 70s Marvel comics are kind of like that. They're like, well, let's stop and talk for a bit and say, explain what's going on. You know, it's just like, especially some of the X-Men ones. It's like, okay, we could like uh, speed this up just a little bit. You know, I mean, it's got a great story going on, but we don't need an explanation of like why Nightcrawler's powers work the way they do every single moment. I mean, I know you're catching somebody up, but still. Yeah, yeah. I, tr- I try not to um, handhold the audience too much. I-, I give them enough information so they, they understand what's going on, but um, only enough so they, they understand the scene, like if, and, and no more. Because cause like you said, you know, it, it kind of just like goes back to just, it's just a little too much information that you really don't need at that time, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, the, it just I like how it kind of just drops you off almost like in a day in the life. And then next thing you know, you're kind of going along and things happen and it's like, it doesn't ever stop for it. Just They just kind of... There's there's a story element. Oh, okay, cool. Animals talk. Oh, cool. Magic's here, you know, and so on as it goes on. And then, boom, all of a sudden the monsters come and problems arise. And now there's like, you know, somebody's got to pay for something. And that's kind of how we get. And it's like in one issue, it's you get the perfect amount. You never felt like you were waiting. It wasn't like one of those ones where it's like nothing happened to the very end. No, if the whole way through the pacing goes nice. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, um, I, I really try to work on pacing because... Uh, for me, it, I'm, I'm a fan of the, the slow burn, mm-hmm. so I like to kind of take my time to develop the stories. Um, I'll even throw in a lot of you know panels where there's no dialogues or captions um, if if I feel like that's necessary. So the um, the pacing is something that sometimes I worry about because I, I don't want to lose the audience. Because even though I'm a fan of the slow burn, I know not not a lot of people have the patience for it. <laughs> so. I realize in the meantime that you have to kind of throw in things that keeps the audience kind of like interested in, in what's going on. So, um, so pacing is, is, is a real big thing for me that, that I really try to um, uh, consider or um, I, I take into consideration when I'm, when I'm writing uh, a scene or um, uh, pages in the comic book. Well, that was kind of like the slow burn always minds it like I call it like the 70s buildup. You know, because a lot of films in that time period, like, you know, they start off and maybe nothing really happened till about an hour into the movie. It was just kind of like dropping you in. Here's the characters and so on. But as far as like the core story that you showed up for, like I'll use examples kind of like Halloween, the John Carpenter one, you know, great movie and all. But it's like one of those ones like it does have that hour long of you just kind of hanging out with the characters, which is kind of cool in itself, because then when stuff does go down it becomes like, oh, everything just kind of changed on us really quickly where, you know, you could do it also the, the opposite way is to do the 007 thing where you start off with action right off the bat. You don't even know what's <laughs> going on anymore. And then it's just this cool scene. And then you start explore, exploring up the story and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a few ways of doing things. I mean, I guess it all depends on um, the story itself, you know. Now, can I ask a question? And if you don't want to answer, it's totally fine because I might go into spoilers. But um, 
we see the rest of the band here. Does the rest of the band, do they have powers or uh, will they get powers, anything like that? Oh, wow. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking about the rest of the band um, just today because I, I'm, as, uh, I was doing an exercise where I was uh, doing a lot of uh, background building. Like I was actually going into like, you know, Jonas's uh, great grandfather, father, um, you know, things like that. So I was really building a world from for Crescent City Monsters, even um, all the way back to the past. And so um, one of the things as I was um, looking at Jonas's world, I was thinking about his friends and family. And then I started thinking about his friends. And um, uh, I was like, are you, to answer the question, um, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really established anything yet. But um, you know, anything's possible. Because um, as I was thinking through Jonas's uh, relationships with uh, um, with his friends, uh, Tree and Sticks, I was uh, I was thinking like, wow, you know, um, it, it, the concept is kind of cool too, you know, just, um, you know, three bandmates or three guys who were getting into music, um, New Orleans at that time, and um, Jonas has powers and maybe his friends don't, but, you know, maybe they have some special skill set or they bring something and, and they get into their own little adventures. And I was kind of thinking of a spinoff with that. Um, but right now, no, there's, there's no, I haven't really established a, a real deep history for, um, for his bandmates, but that's definitely something that I, I want to get into. Well, that does sound yeah, like a cool idea. They had. I, I, I like the idea of just like, almost like the whole band, almost like maybe if they don't have powers yet, they can almost even learn them as time goes on. Maybe Jonas and like his mother and everything can like pass on some maybe knowledge and maybe they're not nearly as strong, but they have like, yeah, just kind of different abilities. That just sounds kind of cool in itself. I didn't even think about that till Ryan brought it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe um, they like maybe Jonas's friends have specialized skills. <laughs> <laughs> Something I thought was interesting was um, once the grunge popped up, I just kind of went on Google for a second to see is this something he kind of made up or is this some urban legend type stuff? And I saw they were like more or less the New Orleans version of the Chupacabra. Um, will we without once again? I don't want to ask for spoilers if you don't want to give them. But will we be seeing like other monsters and other creatures from uh, mythology or lore popping in possibly? Yeah. Um, oh, awesome. So I was I was doing research for um, specific New Orleans legends and monsters, and the grunge uh, popped up. Um, the weird thing is when I do a, did a Google image search to kind of find a reference for them, um, there wasn't really anything good out there. Um, um, in terms of like establishing how they really look, which was weird. You would think like there was like um, pictures out there. There were, but it wasn't anything that you could it, like. The description of the grunge was kind of all over the place, you know. So um, at first, I kind of made them lizard-like, right? Uh, but um, as as I went on, um, I realized uh, like you know what. Um, I need to change them because the the or when I was reading the origins of the grunge, they said that um, the grunge originated from a combination of um, albino and um, small people, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I so I, so as I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I need them to kind of reflect that 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 kind of um, that kind of history. So then um, we exonerated the original design of the grunge, and um, we went with what you see now, um, which to me made a lot more sense. And um, was easier to play with in terms of um, uh, giving them a storyline because now, um, once once again, Gene did a really good job at designing them. And then um, when he did Queenie, I was like, "This is excellent." Um, so um, as soon as I, I saw um, 
Gene's rendition of, of the, the new grunge, I was, I opened my imagination, I started sparking, and I already came up with um, uh, a little backdrop history of um, how, how the grunge are. And they're, they're going to um, play an important part going on. And so um, you're, you're going to definitely see a lot more of them. I just love how creepy they look. They just have the whole like crazy hillbilly thing going on. I'll, after yeah. reading this, it makes me want to go on to. A, do you know the the podcast lore? Uh, sounds familiar. I listen it's, to a um, lot of podcasts. I might have. Oh, it's heard um, one or two episodes. It's like uh, this horror podcast. Each episode's around 20 to 30 minutes, and they break down different parts of mythology and history, whether it be kind of like, oh, this is where. The, this is the story of vampires so they got started or whether it be a creepy urban mystery or urban urban uh, urban legend about a serial killer or whether it be like that's a slow week throwing a ghost story um it makes me they have like one on mothman so i'm kind of like oh I, I, now i'm wondering if they have one on the grunch i'm really curious about that now but they're never really just named vampire episode it's always something clever like bite like you know bitey neighbors or something like that so it's like okay and i gotta read between the lines and figure that out now huh. yeah yeah speaking of monsters just there's a lot of um there's just there are things i want to do with uh the monsters for from crescent city monsters because um you know when everyone thinks of new orleans they, they always think of um vampires right um mm-hmm. and werewolves so um, at first, I was kind of against, like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to have, you know, a few vampires, maybe some werewolves, but I'm not really going to make them all too important. But, um, but then that, that became hard because I'm a big uh, werewolf fan. <laughs> and and, and I like, also like vampires. So, um, so what I decided to do is include them in the story, make them um, um, major characters, but try to do it in a way that's a lot different than what you would normally see with your typical vampires and werewolves. Well, that's like a kind of cool one because you could just sort of bring that in <laughs> way later on is, you know, it, you almost could savor that. It's like, hey, here's my, we'll put these in the way and the, hold them up is you got the vampires, you got the werewolves, but you can always bring those out later be like, boom, here you go. But it's not right off the bat. So at least it feels, because I think by not really having that, it has a very fresh and completely different feel. Because, you know, the grunge, it's just like, well, one's like, I've never seen a story with them before. So I feel like you're really breaking new ground just by having a, a storyline. I mean, they, probably if you dig hard enough, maybe somebody's mentioned them in a comic book at some point or something like that. But I just have never seen that. Not in a movie, not in a TV show or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've never seen them either. Um, and it's funny. Um, I've been uh, approached by a few New Orleans They've said, um, I've never heard of grunge either. And I, I actually was born and I live here. Huh. So, so weird how it can be. It's just like, it's just that hidden of a legend. So regarding um, other monsters you plan on using, is it, cause I'll, I'll be honest, the only ones I really know about was werewolves and vampires. And I know there's other things in the South. Like, you know, I think Marilyn has the pig lady or something like that. And, I want to stay somewhere in um, somewhere in Virginia. They have like Mothman, but beyond that, though, a lot of the stuff more in the South kind of got by me. What's some um, some other ones you're planning on bringing on? Well, um, I was thinking about it, and one of the things I wanted to do was uh, having some sort of uh, uh, sea creatures mm. because 
the Mississippi River is right there, and there, you know, Louisiana is right there by the water. So, you know, I figured like, hey, um, it seems natural to have um, some kind of water monster, right? Water-related monster. So, I definitely want to do that. And because um, they're close to the bayou, mm-hmm. I want to create a couple of monsters that are like related to the, the, the bayou area also. So th- those are a couple of the, the interesting um, monsters that I'm thinking about adding to the story. Well, if anything, it just That'd sounds a like a way to mix it up. Yeah, it just sounds like you got all kinds of choices of what you can use in there, and just the scenery itself. You know, great looking place as always to kind of like have any story happen. But um, now, how long has this process been for this issue? As I said, I know that we met, you know, a year ago, it seems like by now or something like that. And I know that's just been, you know, how kind of creative projects go. But when did you first start uh, putting this together? Uh, started, um, I think, April of uh, last year. So oh, okay. it's been over a year. Yeah, um, it, it took about eight years no not eight years i'm sorry it took about 12 months to to do the uh the 32 not 32 the uh 26 pages that you see online right now um for the past few months we've kind of been on a break but we're definitely going to pick up the pace uh once the kickstarter is over and done with and now at this point where is that kickstarter at because that thing has just climbed real quick Uh, right now, uh, let me take a quick look. Let me let me go online and see where it is. Uh, last time I checked, it was over four thousand. We just hit over four thousand. Okay, so we're at uh, four thousand thirty-eight dollars. Wow, I, I miss. I'm just. I'm just so impressed at how fast that went up. You oh, know, I mean, wow. in, in two days. Nice work. It was already over two thousand. It seemed like in forty-eight hours. Yeah. Yeah, we were funded in, in less than 48 hours, which which was really cool. You know, I thought I jumped on there I'm early, and I was I... already, like, a couple hours behind, and you were already above 100 at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that, that was, that was really exciting. That was, that was overwhelming. That was just, that, that was an awesome feeling um, to know that, you know, so many fans, and, um, and really, it was a lot of people who already knew about the project that pushed it to that um to that amount um it wasn't really a lot of uh new readers to the webcomic who, who pushed it to the amount i would i would if i had to guess i would say at least maybe um 70 of it was fan-based mm-hmm. so that, that was pretty great gotta like i'm that. just curious because there's all those there's the uh indiegogo and kickstarter page to see explaining what the thing is and seems like 80% of them have the ukulele and the whistling. We're going to here to introduce you to an amazing new project. I'm just trying to imagine that version of that for this right here. Like, but <laughs> yeah. congratulations on that though, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, actually, did, did you guys get a chance to watch the video on the Kickstarter page? I, I, I watched actually didn't it. get a chance to see it. I, I actually, like the second I saw, I just pre-ordered, but then I went back and watched it later on. I was like, I want to see what his video is actually out of curiosity for a comic book. Yeah, Is yeah it so. no, it's like he's it's like out in the <laughs> woods, and I kind of like this. The camera's like spinning around, and it's like black and white. It reminds me of almost like an old movie we would have shot like in high school, like that kind of look. It's like let's go into the woods and shoot yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's 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 what I kind of was going for, you know. That um, oh, what's what's that movie? I forgot what it was called. It, it was 
It was um maybe this was like ten years ago. Was it Blair Witch? Yeah, the Blair Witch Project. Oh, Blair Witch. You know that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to kind of go for that feeling of uh, the Blair Witch Project in in the intro. Um, but yeah, that was that was like my third time doing the video, um, because I had that was the third version because I had different versions and. Um, the other versions, I was kind of like sitting down, like, "Hey guys, my name is Newton," and kind of so. But I was like, "Oh man, I really, this this video really doesn't feel like me." So I said, "You know, I just I just took my iPhone and and selfie stick, and I went to like a local park, and I was like, you know what? Let me just do it here, and then you know I'll make it in black and white, and you know so. And then it turned out it turned out pretty good. Um, I was happy with it. No, I like that video that out. Out, out a lot because I was just, you know, just doing research for future Pizza Boys ideas and so on. I was just like, oh, I want to see what Newton's video is. Let's see what this is all about. I was like, I, I like the simplicity of it. And it was just like, it wasn't just the like, hey, everybody, buy my book, you know. It was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's got kind of a creepy atmosphere. It almost feels like you're supporting like a small film, if anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that reminds me. You guys had, um, I forgot what, was it chapter three or four? You guys, um, Pizza Boys, they, they were filming, right? That that was one of your um, your issues about, right? They actually went out and uh, filmed an indie movie? Yeah, that was, that was issue four, because that's me and Ryan okay. for 14 years or so. That's what we did. We just shot all kinds of movies like that. So I'm like, let's just do a story about, like, how it kind of really goes down. Yeah, I kind of... That was like one of my favorite chapters because um, for a time I actually really um, was thinking about creating a, a web series on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I would, so um, I wanted to kind of just um, get into um, directing and, and writing. Um, so um, I, for a while I was I was really into it, but you know due to resources and time, I, I never really got um, started with that. But it, it's definitely something that um, I want to try to do in the future. It'd be great to do like a little web series. Oh yeah. Best thing I can recommend for that is just keep the cast very minimal. That's the <laughs> thing I can. Not that I don't like people. People are fine, but it's just it's harder to lie when you got a big cast. And as you look at the stuff Spencer and I did, movie wise, it went from being more people to less people to two of us talking into a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those ones. Like, I love making movies, but that was always the hardest part. It just seemed like the second that you kind of got to a certain point, there were so many people that they like the idea of making movies, but they don't want to put the time and effort into it. And that's what made it kind of tough. And then that's where me and Ryan, we just switched to do an animation because it's like, hey, we can do all the characters and we can do all the work ourselves and we technically don't need anybody else. So it just made it sort of easy. And then comic books, I feel, is like almost like an, even another step of like simplifying it just a little bit more. Just like... You could get a story out in a decent amount of time. You know, you could do it by yourself. You could do it as a team. You could do it as a tiny team. There's, there's a lot of variables and nice options that I like about comic books just for that reason alone. Yeah, yeah, you're right. If you're, um, if you're a writer and an artist, and you, you've got the best of both worlds. You just do everything yourself, right? <laughs> or if you're just um, a writer working with the artist, even that's still not bad because, you know, it's just you two. But yeah, you're right. It's um, it's very difficult once you you have more than two people to just start working with um, with uh, a lot of people and coordinating things. And like you say, sometimes you know people um, they 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 lose that that um, inspiration or they they lose that energy that they first had, and so things slow down. They don't take it as seriously as as they did before, and you know yada yada. You know, people aren't always as dependable as you'd like them to be. <laughs> so, yeah, so. especially especially when you pay them in beer and pizza. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, and the the one thing I'll say about like with your kind of team up you got going on Crescent City Monsters, what I like about like the the writer and the artist thing is that the artist can focus a hundred percent on just working on the comic book and not nothing else where the writer can go out and be like oh i can promote i can market i can make all these kind of like neat little advertising campaigns and so on that like if you're kind of doing it all yourself you almost got to do the thing where you switch gears where it's like okay i'm drawing the day let's see tomorrow i'm gonna do some marketing then i'll go back to doing some drawing now i'll make some ads and it's almost like there's something to be said about almost having that little bit of separation of jobs oh yeah it definitely makes it easier um and the, the cool thing is, um, I, so when I write out the stories, I, I give uh, Gene the pages five times. I give Gene the script uh, five pages at a time. So he he doesn't always know what's going to happen. So he's always like, he's kind of, he, he's, as he's drawing it, he's asking me, oh, what's going to happen next? You know, so <laughs> so he, so it's it's for him, it's, it's like um, he kind of goes through the same process as everybody else, you know, but just a little bit earlier. Um and yeah, I, I give a lot of props to people who who do um, both the drawing and the writing. I mean, that that must take a lot of uh, a lot of um, just mental energy. Because just writing by itself sometimes is is difficult because you to, it, just to make everything feel right in the story is a lot of things that you you and you go over in your head. And, you know, you know, you come up with this great idea, and then you come up with another great idea, but then you realize like, oh wow. You know, they, they kind of clash, so I got to figure out which idea I'm going <laughs> to ixnay and which one I'm going to keep. So um, so it becomes hard, you know. Um, it, it's not as easy as uh, as um, it looks if, 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 you're, if you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is like its own process. And so, I mean, even like the way that I've always just kind of do writing is I almost just think about, like I'll think about it like an issue of Pizza Boys for months on end. Sometimes I'm even thinking about it I'm like early on, like, okay, two issues from now, I'm going to do this. And as time comes on, I just write little notes, little notes, little notes here and there. You know, here's an idea, here's a joke, here's, you know, a story scenario. And I let it kind of build and sort of simmer. It's just simmering on in the background. And then by the time I finally come to write it, it's like, I kind of got this good idea of like, okay, I think I know what it is. Let's just write it all down and just go for it. Cause I've been thinking about it for so many months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. I simmer on ideas for a long time, for weeks at a time. I, I notice when I write or draw, sometimes it's one of those things that gets me like, I'll come up with the idea, I'll break it down into a couple into a, a list of what I want to happen in that issue, and then I'll do a really rough, nasty, ugly-looking sketch that no one could probably understand but myself, but I have an idea of like, okay, that's that character, that's this character that's happening here. And I don't actually write it until I start putting it out there until I start actually finishing up. Cause I found myself like writing the scripts and then doing all this detail. And then I found out, Oh, I, my characters talk too much. And there's these giant word bubbles that take up a lot of the background. So then I'm like, all right, how do I condense this information within this page right here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess that's an advantage, right? You, cause mm-hmm. you could kind of like work out all the kinks before you, you finalize everything. Right. Mm-hmm. I it's it, that's that's good too. Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are there are moments where I've kind of had to sacrifice. All right, do I sacrifice this cool drawing that took me a while to do, or do I actually sacrifice this important dialogue? So it's kind of you know give and take. I mean, I got I think I've gotten better at it as I've moved on. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't posted a comic in a while. This one I've been working on has been taking up a lot of time, but I'll get to it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. 
But um, I also want to ask too, because since since you had such a good Kickstarter run, like what was your whole marketing strategy throughout the last year of just really getting the book spread out there, you know, and going across the advertising? Because I always feel that in the comic book world is kind of like the lost art that people never seem to bring up so much. I mean, you can look for a thousand books on how to draw. You can look for a good handful of comic books on how to write and things like that. But the marketing and just kind of like, you know, because comic books is its own beast. It's not the. It's similar to a movie. It's similar to an animation. But at the same time, it still has a completely different kind of like way you go about things. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing that I, I learned about marketing is um, like uh, half of what you're selling is only whatever your your the physical product is, the product or service. The other half is really yourself. So um, you really have to put yourself out there too. So, like, you know, normally I'm not the type of person who, um, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I'm not the type of person who's like, all right, you know, what, what's the next podcast I'm going to do? <laughs> you know, I'd rather stay home and, you know, just chill, you know. Uh, so, um, so, but, you know, so I've learned, like, you, you really have to learn how to put yourself out there. Um, and, you know, like I said, I'm an introvert. I, I, I really... I'm not really the type of person who, who's like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, introduce myself and and all of that. But um, I've learned that, you know, you've, you've got to kind of put that to the side and just uh, be yourself. Um, you know, put all your uh, whatever, um, whatever makes you self-conscious or, or and whatever social anxieties you have. You're just going to have to kind of push past that. Um, and like I said, just be yourself and, and, sh- and just go out there on, and on social media, um, show you, show your, your artwork, show your work. Um, but at the same time, show a little bit of yourself too. um, get, you know, so people get to know you because, um, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll love the product, but they'll even love it more if you, if there's an actual human associated with it, you know, that, that's why, um, you know, they, they always use sports athletes to sell sneakers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah someone there's, there's an actual person behind that product so um so you know that's that's one of the, uh, the that's one of the important things that you know i would suggest um and another more i guess uh technical thing is a um is a build own email list um of uh of really loyal and um and uh interested followers not people forced to be on your email list you know so even if you only have like um, I don't know, 50 people, just as, as these you know people keep opening your email and responding to you, um, that's good because you can always build from from a strong base, you know. So th- those are the two quick things that you know I could think of in terms of marketing. Um, you know, there, there are a few more things, but you know, <laughs> we get, this the podcast might turn into two two three hour podcasts if we go into that. Yeah, that's the I've thing. That before. The, the marketing aspect is such an animal in itself. And, like, it's, I'm just trying to get, like, more and more into it. Because, you know, you, you think you got, like, an idea of it, but then next thing you know, it's just, it goes deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, and you're right. It's, it's like, you, it's, it's, always, it's always something that you got to learn. Um, you know, like, little things. Like, even, even uh, copy, right? Um, or like, let's say you you put a, a post on on Facebook, right? Um, the words the words you use are important. You know, you, you have to use to actually get people to like or um, connect to that or do some kind of interaction. 
that those specific words you use you, um, are really important. So um, it's not like you can just uh, write anything you want and, and you know you'll you'll actually get get a response. Even even on that 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 micro level of just copy for social media texts is, is important. So um, when when you when you think that you know like every little thing that you do say and write um, has to be considered. Um, there's, there's a lot to learn, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. It's just, especially when it gets down to like keywords and certain trigger words and how to kind of spread it out and just interacting. And I don't know, I've just learned myself too. It's just, you, you can post your comic book and things like that, but then it's almost like if you got just kind of like your other interests that you can sort of put up there too, and it interweaves together where it's like, Hey, I'm watching this movie. Hey, you know, what do you guys think about this? And then hey, here's this cool video game, and here's this other comic book I read, and then, by the way, here's my comic book, too, and then we kind of go back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's like you, you have to figure out a, a smooth way to um, engage them with the regular conversation and, you know, include uh, some talk about your, your product. And, you know, what I've kind of learned, too, is that I don't know what it is, but something about a lot of times people that create comic books are not the most social creatures compared to like podcasting and I'll even say like video and so on. Cause I just noticed like, I almost have to like when I'm talking about somebody's book and like, I'll, I like to write a lot of reviews for them. I'm like comic central and so on and try to help people out. But I noticed a lot of people, it's like, it almost like, like blew their mind at that idea. Like, I mean, there was a point where I was asking people, I'm like, hey, I will literally go out and buy your book and review it. All you got to do is come by and grab my book and so on like that. We'll just do a little review swap. And it was just like that there was like people kind of stopped for a second. Like, wait, what? what? What's going on? And, you know, a few people would reply to it, but not as much as like if I asked podcasts. If I went and asked a bunch of podcasts, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to do a listen and I'm going to give you guys a review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere like that. I mean, you would have like 75% of them jumping at that, if not all of them. And I feel like the people, if they missed it, it was only because they weren't online at the moment. Uh, that's, that's interesting. So you're saying um, podcasts are more um, extroverts? Yeah, well, because podcasting just seems like it, it's – everybody seems unless – unless you get a podcast where people are kind of to themselves, most of the time – Everybody's so willing to help. It's it's a it's a very like helpful group oriented kind of area. I've noticed. It's just people want to jump on each other's shows. You want. I mean, everybody's spreading the word of their own show, but the group is a lot stronger. Where I think I don't know if comic books. I think everybody's kind of like a little bit more in that reserve state where they're working on their comic book at home and then they wait, 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 wait. It's ready. It's out there. Okay, let's go back and let's do that again. Hopefully, people will see that one I just put out there. And they don't have that natural kind of like. I don't know. Podcasting just feels like you sort of got to be kind of out there. I mean, I guess you, you can talk into your microphone all day long and never really talk to anybody else, but it, it's it's different how like you just kind of meet just different groups of people. I feel like it kind of comes in waves because we'll have like a period where we will just be us bullshitting about whatever comic book or movie or whatever, and then we'll reach this point where we get a bunch of guests on right in a row. Oh, I'm not talking about necessarily like on the podcast. I was thinking just like communicating on like Facebook communicating or back and Twitter forth. or any of those kind of things. Yeah, like that kind of communicating back and forth. You know, it's Should be. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like, well, those ones like, I, if, if we had something to share, you can always ask like the bunch of podcasts, be like, hey, do you guys mind sharing this? Boom. And it's like, just seems it's a little bit quicker than sometimes like comic book artists. I, I don't know. This is what I've just noticed. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. The, Okay, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, oh, I wanted to say that, uh, yeah, I tend to know that uh, comic book creators are more of a reserved and introvert, so, you know, there, there might be something to what you're saying. 
Yeah, and it's just, like, I just want to help spread the good word of, like, you know, indie comics and so on. So I think it's just fun just to read them and talk about them and, like, because there's just so much cool stuff out there. And I think, just sadly enough, it's just, like, I feel like nobody's really putting the, like, effort for certain books to, like, get them spread. So it's like, hey, if I can kind of help myself and if I see a book that I really like, I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to share it and I'm going to try to help do my part. Because if, if I dig something, I really want, like, hey, check this out. This is really awesome. Why not? Yeah, 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 and I appreciate all the, um, the support you've shown me. You've been uh, really uh, supporting me on Twitter, and so so I really appreciate that. Oh no problem, dude. As I said, from like just the first time you shared the book, I think I don't know, almost a year ago by now or something like that. I was just like, oh, this is something special, and I told Ryan about it, and I told other people about it, and you know, and then you gave me the fantastic little like um, caption part on the back of the Pizza Boys graphic novel. So that is awesome in <laughs> itself with the quote. And um, from that point on, it's just like, if I see your stuff, I'm always like, boop, retweeting that, sharing that, making sure that gets spread, you know? And the cool thing, too, is I just noticed I've ran into other guys along the way that would be like, oh, my gosh, dude, Crescent City Monsters is totally awesome. You know, just other comic book artists and so on that have run across that as time has gone on. So that's just cool in itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I meant everything I said uh, for that, the quote in the, the back of your book, um, stuff is really funny, and you know I'm not really, and I'm really into like really like gritty, um, comic book stuff. Like you know, lighthearted stuff is not my thing. But I mean, I was, I was uh, laughing out loud when I read your stuff. I love the characters too, man. Um, it reminds me of a, um, it's like when I read read the issues, it's like um, uh, a throwback to like the late 1980s kind of feel like you know what i mean i i don't know if i'm coming across but um like you like in the 1980s you had all these um like high school movies and and um movies about teenagers and all the crazy things that they did um so reading the series kind of reminds me of that well that's it's it's when when you say that it's like the whole idea like when i originally and i wrote pizza boys as a movie script you know and me and ryan worked on stuff together and so on and the goal at first was to make it like a teen comedy, you know, just like those 80s movies, just like the 90s and 2000 ones that were coming out at the time. And that was kind of the goal. And then it sort of got shelled for a while and we did all kinds of other projects. And then when coming back to comic books, I'm like, you know what? I, I could do something in comic books, just make the characters a little bit older and just kind of have one where it's more about like hanging out. It's got all my interests I like, like podcasting and comic books and classic movies and classic video games. And... I feel with Pizza Boys is I really don't see anybody else out there with a book that's similar to that one. You know, it's even no, yeah, yeah. it's even kind of hard for me to even like sometimes like because you know like a lot of comic books are you know comedy is almost so kind of rare in comic books. Oddly enough, I mean you got comic strips, but you don't have a lot of like comic books that are comedy as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh... So- uh, to speak on both uh, Crescent City Monsters and Pizza Boys, I think they're both pretty. Um, and I'm not just saying this because I'm in one of them, but <laughs> I think it's I think it says to both of them that like you know, um, kind of a well. First off, they're both black and white, and I think that it's something that comics really kind of need right now. Just because me wrong, I love Marvel and I love DC, but after a while, there is some stuff that. Um, when they try to get dark and there is stuff like, oh, wow, that got really fucked up. But a lot of the time, though, it feels very kind of like, oh, it was kind of 
I'm not really that worried because I know these characters are coming back. I know that yeah. they got a long franchise. Batman's been around for 80 years. So when someone dies, they're not really dead most of the time. Uh, so something like Crescent City Monsters, I'm not sure how plan you, how long you want it to go on, if it's going to be an ongoing, long-continuous series, or if you have a couple graphic novels planned. But I really don't know what's going to happen. So I think series like that are really needed right now, and especially with the art design and the way it looks and just how sleek it is, yet it has that whole 1950s horror thing going on and the monsters actually look ter terrifying. And where Spencer, like he said, there's not a lot of comedy, like he said, comic strips, but not a lot of graphic uh, comedy comic books right now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess it's, I think one of the things is it, it's, it's probably hard to, to do that, to, to write comedy and, you know, I actually have it um, be funny, <laughs> you know, um, issue after issue. Um, I guess, you know, because that's, that's a real hard skill set, you know, um, to make people laugh. You know, that's, um, I think to me, that's even harder than, than like writing something uh, gritty, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so I think, I think that might be the reason, like, to, to really have um, a really funny book, it, it's, it's probably um, a lot harder. Yeah, I don't know. That could be the case. And I've heard that my whole life. My whole life, I've always heard that, like, oh, comedy is the hard genre to write and so on like that. And that always threw me off because I just remember just being, like, in high school and be like, well, if we're going to make a movie, we better make it comedy because if we try to make it serious, it's just going to seem stupid. So we'll always have comedy <laughs> elements in there. So I just got so used to doing that. And then I started meeting people from all other countries and stuff. And I'd be like, oh, like, well, yeah, comedy is the hardest genre. Like, what? hardest genre to be like well what'd you make it'd be like oh here's this badass action movie i made oh well geez we would have never thought to make that we would have been like oh no way that's gonna look cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. i guess i guess it goes to show you that you know some things are easier to others you know than i guess depending on your personality or the type of person you are you know and i guess in your case it, it, it's easy to make comedy well, and I think, too, like, if I went to try to draw something serious just in my own art style, like, I feel like that would be the hard sell. I'd be like, well, there's something serious going on, but it's got kind of goofy-looking artwork, even though, I'll say this, I, I have run across many books, you know, that, you know, you see in, like, an image comic or somewhere like that that have kind of maybe a little bit goofier artwork, but they have almost a serious story going on, and that, that almost could be a kind of a neat combo, too, at the same time. Yeah, dude, you should do that. That, that would be crazy, like, if you had a serious, like, comic uh comic and in, in your style you know and just like just take it you know ultra seriously <laughs> in, in your, your I, comic book it, 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 that, that might work it, it could there's, be I, I just, but then they'll be like wait a minute you know there's there's something to this <laughs> you know? I, I have this one friend who um i wish he made it but he backed out of it he was a much better artist than i am but he backed out of it like oh, i don't know and i I don't want to say the entire thing because I don't want to give his idea away, but he had this idea for the comic itself is very intense and very serious, but it was like a very obscure character. It was kind of like, think of Batman, but his gimmick was butterflies. And the thing okay. is, he was just this dude that was just jacked, just ripped. And he was very dark and brooding and very serious, but his whole thing was butterflies instead of bats. and. It, everything else is like a very dark, very bloody, very bleak comic, but it, 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 it took itself totally serious, but it was also kind of satire at the same time. Like the comic itself was not aware 
of how absurd it is. Like it played it straight, but it was just this guy who essentially butterfly Batman. So, oh, that sounds like yeah, an interesting I've, idea. I've seen, yeah, I've seen. I think I've seen a couple of uh, comics like that, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, and you know, done right, it actually works. You know, um, mm-hmm. so but but I, I think you you really have to be a really good writer to pull that off. You know, I think that's the key thing. Is like one's got to balance out the other pretty well. So it's almost like you can have kind of funky artwork, but if you have really strong writing, it can kind of make up for it. And sometimes even a little bit vice versa can kind of go that way. Like you could kind of have a little bit funkier writing, but if you had like pretty good artwork, that could kind of make up for it. Now, granted, you kind of want to have it be a little bit more evened out than anything. But what I sort of like about the comics media more than anything else is that almost anything works in it, as long as it's just a good story. You know, because I think about, like, books that I like. I mean, you can see some where, like, the artwork's pure amazing, and it's almost like – I always use, like, Jim Lee as an example. It's like you look at Jim Lee, and you almost go, like, well, I don't even want to make comic books now. It's just so good. Like, why why bother? <laughs> but then you could see stuff where – you know, I always use, like, Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is a perfect example. You look at that, and you go, it is possible. I, it can be done, you know? <laughs> and it's just like – but they're both cool, like, in, a, in like the exact same way, just different spectrums, and it all works. You know, you're never – it's not like a movie where you're watching, like, a B or C movie, and you're like, man, look at those cheap special effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you, know what's, you know what's amazing? Um, even artists like, uh, like, for, like Scott Pilgrim, um, even though sometimes they, they draw simplified um, – in a simplified manner – when you really look at it, 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 it the artwork is really is really good because um, it it's like it's it's hard to make something that's uh, simple look really good, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. um, and and still uh, and still come off. And and sometimes these um these artists like if that's that's just one style. If if they really wanted to draw like some Picasso like thing or some um some realistic. Uh, uh, drawing like you know the Mona Lisa, they could, you know. So sometimes um, what, what you see them draw is, is isn't really just like uh, um, the, their level of skill. Yeah, sometimes it's like they could just change it up. They can just do a little bit more of a cartoony look or something like that. Or I always use like I look at like uh, Charlie Brown. Like that's always a good one just to look at every once in a while and just being like, you don't have to do too much. Just make the characters just very unique enough. But you know, Charlie Brown's like sometimes there's not even like really backgrounds. It's like two lines, and it's like Charlie Brown walking down the street, and that's like it. And he's doing an inner monologue with himself, and that's the whole comic. And sometimes it's just like to look at that kind of stuff and just go like, yeah, you, you don't always have to go as complicated as you want. But if you can, it's never a bad idea either. It's just that, I think that's what's kind of cool about comics is there's so many different things and it's you, there's almost like nothing wrong you can kind of do. Everything sort of works as long as you got a cool story. And to bring up, oh, go ahead. No, 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 I was disagreeing. Oh, um, and to bring it back around to uh, indie comics because you know. Right now, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest movies that came out of the summer was Avengers Infinity War. And people still like comics. People are still into comics, but people are starting to get a little bit more fatigued on superhero stuff. And I think indie comics right now are kind of telling are kind of telling stories that mainstream comics are not telling. So, I mean, they, they still may be superhero, but there's a lot of like genre and one. I think like Mark Millar or Mark Miller, I think I'm so used to saying Mark Millar, but apparently it's pronounced Mark Miller. Um, he apparently sold all his IP 
to Netflix. And they're going to make Netflix movies and shows off nearly everything he's done. So it's kind of at this point, like, oh, now they're going on to indie stuff rather than, I mean, I'm sure Marvel and DC will always be there, but they're now moving on to indie stuff. And regarding like art style, it's kind of interesting when you see something like Scott Pilgrim and you saw how simple the artwork was, but then how accurate it was to the movie. Yeah, it matched well. Yeah, I, I didn't realize uh, Mark Miller sold his rights. I knew he was in. I know he was in talks of, uh, of producing the movie, his um, the 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 uh, his his comic books into um, film and TV. But I didn't. I didn't realize he sold the rights to, to Netflix. That's. That's um, that's bank right there. I'm sure he's he's definitely a millionaire right now. <laughs> Tire for the rest of his life right there. I mean, I'm hoping. I mean, I think I think Huck is getting a movie. I think um, Reborn. During the talks of that, that's the one I really want. Reborn, and then American Jesus, which I've never seen, but I was always curious, or never read, but I was always curious about. Okay, I think they're they're. Um, I think. Uh, Places like Netflix or um, platforms like Netflix, they're they're attracted to the, the indie comics because a lot of the indie comics aren't superheroes. They're um they're they're a lot more than that. So it's easier to sometimes just put it on on TV. You know, um you, you don't have to pay for guys flying around special effects or anything like that. So, um, but still you you still have a great story that translates into TV. So I think I think the um. The indie world, you know, if, if you really if you really produce something that has a great story um, and that's that's out of the norm, I think, you know, platforms like Netflix, they'll they'll start looking for um, for IP to purchase, you know, and I, 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 I could I could I could definitely see that happening a lot more. Well, and I think, too, that like there's going to be because there, there's been kind of a while where like, you know, there's there's always superhero movies, but there hasn't been sort of like a, any like third party kind of comic book movies i mean the only thing i can think of last year was there was atomic blonde that was like the one big one but beyond that there hasn't been a ton of them you know like there was in like the 2000s to about the early 2010s you know that's when you started having you know 30 days a night and scott pilgrim and you had things like um wanted two guns yeah two guns like they, they were just taking books left and right from just all kinds of places that you sometimes you didn't even know was a comic book movie until you saw the credits I think it's going to come yeah, back yeah. around, though, and they're going to start being like, okay, superheroes are cool, and we'll keep those going and so on, but let's dip back into that other pocket you know, universe of all these other, whether they come from Image or Dark Horse or IDW or they come from like true indie places where you start getting you know, the non-publisher-type books, and they start pulling those ideas again and seeing what happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's going to be an exciting, um, I think, next few years for um, indie creators, you know, because um, um, I think I think a lot of what independent people are doing now is is getting better. I think everyone's kind of just um, improving the craft, you know, and so I think it's going to start building a bigger audience. Um, and for indie people, you we don't need billions of people, you know, <laughs> you just need to support yourself. You just need a few thousand people, hardcore fans, and you can make a living. So, um, so I think the, the more people that we have, you know, the, the, the bigger the, um, the actual market for creating indie comics will be. Yeah. And plus, when you look at um, when you look at comics right now, a lot of mainstream comics are trying to almost mimic indie comics. I mean, uh, I loved 
Matt Fraction's run on Hawkeye, but it was trying to be very indie with the whole style it had to it. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think Marvel and DC recognizes that. In fact, isn't uh, DC supposed to? I think they're um, opening a, uh, a new uh, publishing line, right? That supports some um, indie indie creators. They used to have Vertigo, which was character owned, which is like um. DC got a small cut, but it was all character owned. And then Why the Last Man sold like crazy. And they're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. No, we're not doing the image thing anymore. We're, we're pulling back on that. So you get a slice, but not the whole pie. And now they have Young Animal, which is kind of linked to the um, DC universe. Like it shares a spot with DC, but it's kind of like what Vertigo used to be. But I don't know if it still has the whole creator own thing. I mean, because they still have Doom Patrol and other characters in there from old publications. Yeah, Young Animals just kind of it's that's just sort of like an offshoot of just DC. Are you saying that they got a like almost like a submission section for like indie people to be like, hey, you can be under almost like the way that kind of Image does it? Is that the idea? I think we got static. Uh, oh, here we go. Oh, here. Hi. There we go. Little, little Skype Skype error there, I guess. Skype doing what Skype does. But Noon, are you saying that there's going to be, there's almost like they're doing like a submission thing for DC, like where it's be like, hey, submit your work, you know, your indie comics, yeah. and then, you know, you could be kind of almost, I guess, how Image sort of does it or Ani Press or something like that. Yeah, I thought, uh, maybe I misread it, but a couple of months ago, I thought I saw an article about that. So, um, but I could be wrong. I thought that's what DC um, was saying. I mean, I could see that nowadays just kind of with like almost just, hey, you know, we got this whole market. Let's get a percentage of it. And why not? You know, we're not we're not getting that percentage right now. So even if we're only getting 20 percent, well, they probably take more than that. If Amazon takes you know, as much as they do, I, DC would probably take just as much too, but like they could kind of get 50% plus revenue of other people's books that they n- don't really have to work on. Oh, that'd be pretty awesome if DC started doing that. I'm going to look into that now. Yeah. Uh, hypothetical question here I have for you, Newton. Um, uh, it, um, so let's hypothetically say that um, someone from Hollywood wants to make uh, Crescent City Monsters. Would you prefer it be a movie, TV show, and if you could, what director? Oh, um, uh, definitely TV show. Um, uh, director, wow. Oh, man, I really don't pay attention. <laughs> I should, I don't really pay attention to directors. Um, to oh, be honest, good. I'd like, I'd, I'd like to direct it. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Best choice, probably. Like, yeah. I know this. I know this. I don't care about someone else's vision or what their interpretation is. Let me, yeah. Newton, have yeah, The reason I would like to do TV is because, um, uh, first, uh, TV has a less of a stigma than it did before. Because I, I, I'm not sure if you guys, um, well, I'm not sure how old you guys are, but back in the days, if you were a movie star, you never did TV. Like, once you hit the movies, you're like, if you appeared on a TV series, that meant your your career as a movie star was going downhill, right? Like uh-huh. they, they, I don't know if you ever noticed, but they never ever went from doing movies to a TV series. But now it's flipped. You you have movie stars actually doing um, TV series, um, or actually um, 
uh, you know, um, uh, appearing in TV series. So that that kind of blows my mind. Um, and that's that's a really big shift if you think about it. The fact that you know, um, just maybe like a decade ago, um, actors would would they they would be like, oh, what appearing Netflix? No, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Netflix movie. No, uh, you know this. I'm, you know, Denzel Washington. That will never happen. Look, Will Smith did another. Yeah, Will Smith did one, and it was. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty yeah. awesome movie. I mean, I would. I'll say this. I I would have liked it that much more if I could have saw it on the big screen. But it's still cool just to see that. Like, oh yeah, and and Brad Pitt did one too on Netflix. So go figure. There's the two biggest actors doing Netflix. Yeah, so that's crazy. So um, I think the whole um, TV series thing is is gotten a lot more a lot more respect in terms of storytelling. So um, based on that and the fact that you can kind of uh, stretch out the storytelling as opposed to limit yourself to just only like uh, a couple of hours for a movie, um, I would definitely make Crescent City Monsters um, TV series. Now to add on... Especially if it's something like Showtime or HBO, something like that. Yeah, I mean, um, the network used to matter. Like, you know, um, before it was like, um, oh, you know, show, you know, AMC. Who's going to watch a movie on AMC? But then, you know, The Walking Dead came out and AMC blew up. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. um, so uh, so now it, it almost doesn't even matter which network you, you appear in. Um, you could appear in the Food Network. You <laughs> 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 could blow up. <laughs> now, now I'm really curious what the CW Crescent City Monsters would be. Oh, I'm sorry, Spencer, go ahead. Oh, that, that, that's actually an interesting one, too, where it's just all a bunch of pretty actors being like, there's monsters around. Watch out, guys. <laughs> well, let me stroke my hair real the quick. The are really good looking. <laughs> and everybody's sleeping with each other because it's CW. It's like at some point, after three or four seasons, you know everybody's going to be sleeping with each other at some point. It's just how it's going to happen. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> CW is really like one of the only networks that like if you're on the CW network, it literally changes like kind of like your tone. Like you literally have to fit into the CW tone. It's not like other ones where it's like, oh, OK, that kind of looks like that could have went on anybody's network. And it's like, no, CW has its own specific look. But what I was going to tie yes. on is um, now, OK, you got if you had a TV series, would you want it to be live action or animation? Uh, definitely uh, live action. Because, uh, like I said, I, I like to direct it myself. So, and I know you could direct animated uh, movies, but um, I'd definitely love to direct uh, live action instead. I know that, that's how I feel. It's like, like if Pizza Boys, it's like I would love to, like you know, just direct episodes. Because I mean, like I write it like a sitcom, so I feel like it could either go as like almost like in that kind of movie comedy. But if it was a sitcom, I feel like you could work it really well there. Have you ever had any guys come up to you and saying they want to write a screenplay based off of your comic? Um, no, no. I've had um people interested in um uh, shopping my story for TV series. Like I literally oh, had one time I had an email from like two people that were like, "Oh, this guy wants to you know do a screenplay for Pizza Boys." It's like what <laughs> screenplay? Like that seems kind of goofy. I mean, like. It was like, and I remember I just asked him questions like, okay, is this guy just like hunting around or whatnot? And it's like, oh, he, he literally read the book and it was up by like issue three at this point. And I thought it was kind of like, oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, um, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, how like you, people can like look at your story and say, oh, wow, this is a great story. Hey, I want to make it a movie. I want to make it a screenplay. But 
really the um their goal is they're just kind of basing whatever they produce on your story right so it, it might not be exactly what you wrote <laughs> you know so um that whole process i find kind of interesting yeah um because i i've seen movies where it's like based on such and such and um i'm like oh wow this was based on a comic book oh wow this was based on a book and you go back and read the comic book a book and you're like the movie was nothing like the comic book. <laughs> you know? yeah. That weird adaptation line is always the thing where it's just somebody they just take it and maybe this is maybe that's what they got out of it. Who you never really can tell. But sometimes it always kind of bothers me when they just sort of use something's namesake and then they just you know they're like whatever you know it's like we're going to use the name because it's got you know a slight built-in audience but we can just do whatever we want now with it and that that's always kind of a little bit obnoxious not saying that you can't make something cool that's different but still that being said the last movie i can think that really did that i'm not gonna lie it's kind of a guilty pleasure it's not even like a great or amazing movie but for for a reason i kind of enjoy it and not in a shitty cynical kind of way either uh wanted bring it back to mark miller because the comic, or I think, it's been a long time since I read it. I want to say in the comic, they're a bunch of, they're a team of supervillains or something like that. But in the movie, they're like, um, we're assassins that curve bullets. Oh, you are? Oh, I thought that was like the ability of the one guy, but everybody has that here? Yeah, yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, oh, okay. Why do you do it? Yarn tells us to. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, it's it's not saying that there can't you can't take something and really change it, and not still have something good, but just different, you know. But it is kind of like if you were like a hardcore fan of Wanted, I could see it being like, oh man, it's just it's nothing like it. Yeah, because it just it looks so. I mean, if you look, I mean, it's been a long time since I read. I don't remember what that one. I remember I liked it, but I remember it just looked like Blade Runner, or with with aliens and all that kind of stuff. And you see the movie, it's like modern day shit they're just curving bullets so it's just like see nothing like the like the show or the, the book well newton i kind of want to ask here okay so we got the kickstarter going and what we got 12 days left on it or something like that um let's see um yeah 12 days so 12 days and no, actually no 11 days 11 days okay yeah so we got 11 days by the time this thing's up it'll probably be about 10 days but um so so at least there's still time to go out there and pre-order it and you just gotta type crescent city monsters in i think it appears like in any search engine kickstarter is like the top one but if not you just go into kickstarter and search for it real easy to find but after you get the kickstarter kind of going what's sort of like your next kind of goals for crescent city monsters i mean granted i'm assuming issue two but are you going to take it and kind of like submit it anywhere? Like, let's just say we've been talking about image and dark horse and so on, like places like that or anything. Um, no. So I'm going to try to keep it um, independent as, as long as possible. I mean, I could still keep it independent, have it um, published by uh, indie publisher, but I, um, I should say I, I want to keep it close to, to heart uh, as soon as, um, as much as possible. So I'll, I'll keep it, you know, Post the same way I have it now. Post it on my website, <laughs> you know, where everybody can go see it. Um, I'm not going to move it over to Webtoons or anything like that. Um, I'm just going to keep it on my site. Because um, I, I, this is something that I just, I really, I really just fell in love with. And then I, I've, I've fallen in love with the fans, you know, so um, it's, it's something that I think that has a lot of potential. So I just... I just want to um, keep it close to um, to me. I'm I'm not gonna 
um, put it on any other platform. I'm just going to keep it to myself. Um, I'm going to try to publish every day myself. Um, my, my ultimate goal, what I would really like is, I, wanna, I don't want to even do a chapter two. Um, the next thing I want to print is just the graphic novel that, um, that, that would just end a sto story arc. Um, if I could do that, that'd be great. But um, uh, that might take some time, and I'm not really a patient guy, so, <laughs> so um, I might, uh, I'm, you know, there's a good chance that there may be a chapter two instead of a graphic novel. But if um, if Gene and I can bang out, I don't know, 80 pages in the next 12 months, look out for a graphic novel. <laughs> well, that'd be pretty sweet just to have that just ready and rocking. And the nice thing about keeping it just like literally independently published is one, like, you do collect more money that way. There's no middleman. It's all you. You have 100% control over it. Nobody's going to be like, well, let me tell you, you know, I think this cover would look a little bit better if, you know, if it had a clown on it. What, what do you think? It's like, whoa, 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 there's no clowns in the story. Yeah, but, you know, clowns are in, you know. Didn't you see that It movie? It's like, whoa, 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 it's, that's, that's not what we're going for. But you Kids like the Joker. Yeah, kids like the Joker, you know. <laughs> But so you, you do – there is something to be said about keeping it like 100% indie is you have 100% control. You know, the profits all come to you. There's nobody in between, nobody throwing in their two cents. And, it's, you know, I really I look at it this way. It's like it's doing well. It's not like it's one of those ones – like if you kind of were at the point where you're like, man, this thing's starting to like dig a hole into me financially and so on. Like what's my next option? I feel then you kind of want to go like let's pull a publisher out and let's see if you can try it. But – since it looks like it's going well, you got tons of fans so far. I mean, I just look at how that Kickstarter already went, and it's only going to climb even farther, I feel, you know, as it keeps going on, I think as the word spread long. And anybody who's read it, I think, passes along to their other comic book friends. So I, I think, if anything, it's working out great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. And another reason why I'll keep it um, indie is I really like the business part of it, too. So I know um, some creators, you know, artists and writers, they, they really don't like doing the marketing, going out to the cons and all that I mean, constantly. And um, independent publishers provide them a way of um, getting marketing done, and they still focus on, on their story and artwork, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is great because um, a lot of people really aren't into that whole business and marketing part. But I, I like that. Um, I really enjoy that part, even though it's super duper hard. <laughs> and frustrated um it's still something that I, I don't mind doing and that i really like um you know plus you, you learn how to um, handle money you learn how to um handle your brand uh the two most important things <laughs> so um so i don't i don't i don't mind uh handling the, the business part of it well, then it's like the more you learn about it, just the easier it'll become as time goes on, too. So it's like what's hard at first will become, you know, moderately easier as it goes on. So is that also the next goal, too, is kind of like to start doing the con circuit and just hitting places up? Since now you got issue one, you can have it in print, be like, boom, here it is. Come check it out. Come grab a copy. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I don't know. It's like <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to do, you know, People have recommended that I, I do, uh, at least I should try to do um, a few cons, but it doesn't look like I'm, I'm, I'm made for cons, like sitting there all day waiting for somebody to uh, come to my table. <laughs> I don't know if I'm built for that. Um, but, I mean, people do it all the time, so uh, maybe it might not be as bad as I think it is. Um, 
but you know that's that's something I would consider. Um, they they definitely stop by for your work because uh, some of the some of the work we've we've been to a couple of cons and um, you know this isn't me bringing down other people, but Crescent City Monsters is more interesting than some of the stuff we've seen at cons that have a have a line. So, well, thanks, man. Oh, sure thing. Yeah, I, I just think it's one of those ones, if you just kind of, I think the key thing to do is just get a couple of big old posters behind you, and there's no way that no one's going to stop by to come take a look at your book. So I think you should try it out anyways, because they are kind of fun in a weird way, you know? They, they're they're time-consuming, and they always cost a little bit more money than you ever you think they would, but I look at it kind of like it's a good way to sort of advertise just, just that extra way, you know, beyond just the social media and so on. You can maybe meet some people face-to-face, meet some other comic book creators, too, and other artists, and kind of, like, you know, pass business cards back and forth and kind of help each other out. So there's something to be said about the Comic-Cons, you know? It's, it, I feel like you this day and age you might be able to get away by never doing them, but at the same time it, would, it wouldn't hurt to do them. And I, I, as I said, I think your books would sell like hotcakes. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And if you combined it with hotcakes, then you'd have a real <laughs> side business. Real side business going there. <laughs> you'd be surprised how many vendors don't have like food there. So if you just brought that with you, you know. Yeah, the last comic call we went to, there was no food. You had to go venture off in the town to get something. Really? There was no concession stand or anything like that? No, well, I think their idea was that you would go walk downtown and get food, but if you were, like, working the con, you pretty much were like, well, I guess we're not going anywhere then. I mean, at least with me and Ryan, there's a couple of us, so, like, we don't have that problem that, like, if you're a single person, you're like, well, I can't leave my booth now. What if hoodlums come by? <laughs> <laughs> like, night early, like, 1990s, like poodlums from like a beat em up video game backwards cap yeah all beast boy i'll like beat all beastie boyed out <laughs> exactly you know you don't know when those guys are going to show up so you got to be careful but beyond that though it's like yeah it was kind of weird but but no, I, I think you should do it i think it'd be fun and i think as long as you just had a couple of like either a banner or something to just let people see it from the distance there's no way they would not come up and want to talk to you yeah 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 i'll think about it i mean um, like you were saying, just the, the part where you get to kind of uh, socialize with other creators, that part seems cool. Yeah, because every so. single time we've done it, like, this is the sad part, though, is it seems like every con we've been to, there's only been, like, maybe two or three other comic book creators there. But all of them have been great people, fun to talk to. You know, they got cool work, and you get to swap stories and so on and kind of get an idea of, like, what they're doing and how their stuff goes. But still just fun in itself. Yeah, yeah, I definitely got to um, check it out. I'll probably maybe do, uh, since I'm in New York, maybe next year I'll do a New York Comic Con. Well, you, you probably got a bunch of cool like places you can kind of go to. You probably got the New York Comic Con, but I bet you there's a bunch of small ones that kind of appear around it. And I'd even say, like, I tell this to people, like, I'm like, even like something like anime cons, I know people go like, well, my, my stuff's not an anime. It's like, yeah, but anime con is really the same thing as Comic Con. It's got more anime than comics, but... Those are even some of fun ones to try, and they cost a lot less. And sometimes it's amazing how crowded they are, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've thought about it. I was like, there should be a lot of overlap between the, the fan base. Yeah, and then you also got the horror cons. And so, I mean, it's, it's a whole market and world in itself, but I, I just don't, I can't see how they wouldn't do well there, you know, if, if anything. Yeah. And the cool thing about New York is that they have a couple of big. Uh, comic book comics and um that's that's a pretty big shop right there so like, a lot of 
always come and, and sign books there. And so um, if, even if I could do some promotional things there, that'd be cool. Oh yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just the old next wave of business. It's, it's not just creating another issue or a graphic novel. It's like, Oh, how do I expand now? And what's the next avenues to go to, but just stacking them up. I, I think that's just totally the way to go. And yeah, just cool stuff all around. Very cool. But uh, just to let everybody know, I know we said you could look it up on Kickstarter, but um, Newton, where else can they find everything of yours? And what's the easiest stuff to do to get a hold of you, get a hold of a comic, you know, grab a physical copy and all that fun stuff? Well, so uh, let's start off with the webcomic itself. So if you're interested in reading the webcomic, it's online for free. Chapter one is online for free. You can go to uh, dreamfurycomics.com. That's uh, spelled D-R-E-A-M-F-U-R-Y comics.com. Um, and you can catch me on social media. Uh, 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 tag name is uh, Dream Fury Comics, um, both on Twitter and Instagram. And right now, if uh, you want to get me, uh, check out my Kickstarter page. You can just uh, go to my Instagram or Twitter profile um, account, and the link is right there. Or you can lead to crescentcitymonsters.com, and it'll redirect you to the um, Kickstarter page. Or like Scott mentioned, you can just um, type in Crescent City Monsters in uh, Kickstarter, and it'll actually um, appear. Um, those are the ways you can reach me and uh, read my webcomic. Well, cool. I'll make sure to put all those links, too, in the little description down below the podcast to make it even easier to get to all that fun stuff. But um, other than comics, like, you got any other, like, little projects going on or anything fun as we kind of wrap up the show here? Um, just, uh, just, same monsters. Um, um, I have a couple of other comics that I'm working on, um, but, you know, I haven't really, um, really talked about them much. But since I'm almost getting ready to wrap up Crescent City Monsters uh, Kickstarter. I might as well start marketing those now. And there's a story that I'm working on with another writer, a co-writer, um, Thomas Gorman's working on an um, interesting uh, version of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. So um, the story is about... Um, uh, it's a spin on Lee Harvey Oswald uh, and the assassination of JFK and how and why it happens. Um, so I, I, I'm going to keep it at that cause I don't want to say too much cause we're still working. And then, um, I'm also working on another story, um, uh, based on Hercules. It's kind of a reimagination of Hercules. Um, so it's, 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 it's going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's a, a twist. I like to twist things around. So it's, it's a twist on Hercules and, um, it's going to be based, they're, they're going to be, um, a few historical characters in the actual historical characters who are actually um, main characters in the story too. So um, that um, I'm looking forward to getting that story done too. So th- those are the two other stories that that um, everyone kind of should look look out for. Um, I'm and trying to like spread myself across different genres. Um, you know, some people recommend that you stay in one genre because then, you know, you, you kind of known as, you know, I don't know, the horror person. And then you go out there and spill into other genres. But, um, you know, I'd I, I rather just spread myself and just, you know, make some really good, interesting stories. Well, both those sound pretty awesome right there. 
<laughs> Thanks. Oh, yeah, those sound great. And I, I personally think that spreading yourself amongst multiple genres, I always thought that's the way to go. I even think it doesn't matter what it is, whether you're doing comic books, whether you're doing movies, whether you're doing even music. I always think it's interesting when you can see a band and it's like, oh, they're not just one locked-in genre. They literally can do all kinds of stuff and it works. It's okay. It's, you know... So I think it's great to have a couple other ideas. I know me and Ryan keep talking about a couple books that we plan on. Not really probably drawing ourselves just because, you know, cause there's not enough time to do both Pizza Boys and Into the Dirt and draw another book. But we'll we'll write a script that we've had for a while and then try to get somebody to kind of draw it. And then at least we can have multiple books kind of coming out simultaneously together and have that kind of fun stuff, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But cool, dude. I'm glad you came on the show and uh, got to finally talk. I know we talked about this for years about coming on the podcast and everything like that. And I was like, well, once that Kickstarter comes, we'll just do it and it'll all tie in nicely and hopefully boost a little bit more extra sales and all that fun stuff. But um, till then, you can always check out oldmanorange.com for more comics, podcasts, animations, movies, and more. And I'm Spencer Scott Holmes. And I'm Ryan Dunnigan. And Newton, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, well, thanks for having me on. It was fun talking to you guys. Oh, yeah. It was fun talking to you, man. And then, oh, before we all leave, I want to say, this is our, Newton, you're going to be the first guy for this. We're doing our hashtag countdown to 400, because we're coming up on our 400th episode, and this is 380. Wow, congratulations. That's big. I mean, some podcasts that will make it up to 100 episodes. Yeah. That's that's we're very persistent. We we are we're like the one thing we might not be the greatest podcast out there, but boy, we'll we'll do an episode every week for you, no matter what. You got that guarantee. <laughs> we're the cockroach of podcast. They may not want us. We show up anyway. We're hard to get rid of. Yeah, literally our last. Nah, you guys are good. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Our last episode was our six year anniversary episode too. So. <laughs> Wow, wow, congratulations. So we, we've trucked along, so that's what we're doing. We're doing countdown to 400. We'll try to make each episode feel kind of special, you know, and then, um, you know, just by having a guest, not just, I guess, just, I guess not just me and Ryan. We'll have somebody else kind of more interesting to talk about, too, and we'll talk comics and fun stuff. But um, thanks, Newton, for coming on. And then everybody, make sure you grab Crescent City Monsters. Buy a copy. Get a physical copy. That will that will make your day when you get that physical copy in the mail. I actually was holding off on reading the book, and I only read it because we were going to do the podcast. Like, I stopped at, like, page 15. I'm like, I'm just going to wait. I want to see it in physical copy, and that's how I'm going to experience it, even though I did kind of spoil myself, <laughs> I guess, by just reading it up just so we can do the episode. But it will be so awesome, especially if you didn't even touch the comic book and you just looked in, like, the artwork looks cool, that story sounds neat, and you grab yourself a physical book, and that comes in, and you open it up, and it's just magic in your hands. Grab one of those. Go to the Kickstarter. There's a, there's a bunch of other cool stuff on there, too. Like, not only can you get, you know, the digital and the physical copy, but it looks like you got stickers and all kinds of, like, bonus items and cool stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole bunch of cool things. Um, in fact, surprisingly, the the, the most expensive uh, reward tier that we had already sold out. Oh my <laughs> so god! I, I got to go in and uh, create some more uh, top tiers. Um, I think I'm gonna create um some tiers that that kind of go into the hundreds of dollars that to help out the funding. Did you have any T-shirts? I can't remember if you did or not. I felt like I might have got one if there was that was there, but no, I I, I didn't get T-shirts. What I try to do is I try to keep the um, the rewards as uh, simple as possible because this is my first uh, 
Kickstarter and I wanted to make sure everything went smoothly, especially the fulfillment. So it's all really just based on um, the artwork and, and the book and like small physical things. So like books, stickers, uh, postcards, you know, things like that. Um, that's easy to package and won't take up a lot of bulk. And, you know, um, I, I wanted to keep it on that level. Because, um, you know, even with T-shirts, I mean, it sounds simple, but, you know, you still got to order the yeah. T-shirt design, get different sizes. And so I wanted to make sure fulfillment went as smooth as possible. So I, I try to keep it as simple as possible. So a lot of the, the rewards are based on that. Well, yeah, and that's that's probably the smarter way to do it because really probably the easier way to do T-shirts would be to do them later down the line and just do them as like a Teespring or a T-chip or one of those sites where – they can do all the printing for you and so on. And it's just like the sizing and it's not like you've got that inventory sit in your house. Like if you're doing Kickstarter and so on, but. but right, exactly. But other than that though, make sure you guys go there, check out Crescent city monsters. It's totally awesome. Like guaranteed, like one of the best indie comics you can possibly read. Grab that today. And then other than that though, we are out of here. Later folks. Thanks, Thanks again for listening to the Old Man Orange podcast. Be sure to check out oldmanorange.com for more podcasts, comics, animations, videos, and a whole lot more. You can easily support the show by buying something from one of our Amazon links on the website or in the show's description itself. doesn't cost you a penny, but every single thing you buy from there just by using that link to take you to Amazon helps us out a bit. You can also really help the show out, though, by spreading the word the good old-fashioned way and rate and review us on all the sites that you find this podcast. Anything from iTunes to Podbean to Newgrounds, YouTube, you name it, any little bit helps. Give a sub and share it to your friends, family, any jamoke you see out on the street. You let them know about Old Man Orange Podcast. Be sure to check out the Old Man Orange comic book Pizza Boys on both Amazon and Comixology. Till then... We'll see you some other time.